0: Uh, good morning to you on this uh, second Sunday in Advent, and our first uh, Sunday in December, as uh, we worship uh, in the Christmas season. What a wonderful, wonderful season it is indeed! I uh, express my appreciation to those uh, who uh, helped decorate uh, around the campus, especially here and our worship center and other places around the campus. Just uh, give us that Christmas spirit and make it look even more beautiful than it normally looks. But thank you for those who spent the time and effort and energy uh, to make it so pretty. We appreciate all that activity that you have done. Well, as uh, we move deeper into, into our celebration of Christmas and anticipating celebrating uh, once again this year the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I saw that uh, Merriam Webster's uh, dictionary came out with their words for 2021. Anybody see that? Now, last year, their word was not surprisingly pandemic. So this year, it's not surprising that their word for the year of 2021 is vaccine. So no matter where you stand on that issue about the vaccine, uh, the COVID vaccine is a reality and it's still going to be here. So that was the word that they had. That's the word to think about is vaccine. But I want to add two words to that that we need to think about today. The second one that I would add to that is the word scam. Some of you might have received, maybe yesterday, uh, uh, an erroneous email from me, a scam email that was under my name. I think that maybe even there were two different ones that went out. One asking you to buy gift cards, I think maybe, and one saying that I needed to talk to you about some delicate sensitive matter, but I was in a meeting or something and couldn't speak just now. Uh, In fact, I was on the phone talking to Gil Bocock checking on Jim's condition, when she said, by the way, I need to tell you that the email's gone out. About that time, my phone started blowing up. Uh, The people were texting me, sending me emails about this email that went. So I finally was able to get through to Amanda, and Amanda sent out the other email that we hope everybody got that said, there is a scam email out there. Do not respond to it. It's not from me, even though it says that it is. So I hope that no one was hurt in any way with that. I apologize to you for that. Uh, we have supposedly some kind of a, a very, very, very uh, uh, severe and stringent uh, security on our network and how they were able to get uh, names to send that to, I'm, I don't know. But I apologize to you and I hope that nobody has been hurt uh, in that process. So always look very careful about any of those kinds of things. I would never send out an email like, like that. So. You know, It's kind of like the government calling, somebody calling and saying, uh, we're coming to your door and we are going to arrest you uh, if you don't send some money here and there, like Leon Mott says, you know, if we're going to arrest you, we're not going to call you and tell you that we're going to do it. <laughs> now, if, if I need you to do something like that, I will contact you individually by phone or something of that nature, so be careful about that. And another scam, that's another thing that goes on during this holiday season, is it's a wonderful time of the year for scams. So be very very cautious about that. Then there is a third word that I want to add that fits in with the message for today and that is the word stress. Now we talk about this being the most wonderful time of the year and it is and it can be because we celebrate uh, that God made his advent into our life. Uh, He came into our world. He came to be born among us a baby and Jesus born in Bethlehem. He came to show us what he is like. He came to do all the things that he promised to do. It is the most wonderful time, and yet even against the backdrop of the song that we heard just a moment ago, there's some tough times that are going on, and that creates stress in a lot of different ways. Some of the things are kind of simple, and some of them are, yet are severe. Uh, one of them is like shopping. I don't know how you feel about Christmas shopping, uh, but we, are, we do very quickly, you know, and I do very little of it. You know, we've got. Um, all our grown children and we've got uh, 12 grandchildren and we're waiting for 13 to make his arrival into this world any time now. So our, our, our children said, don't go buy stuff that we don't want our children to have. You know, we'll, we'll Just give us the money, we'll go buy it and that. And that kind of takes a burden off of us. I kind of miss getting caught up out there in the crowds and the hectic, uh, frenzied pace of, of buying and shopping and, and all that, but we send them the money, they buy what they want the kids to have, then they wrap them and bring them to our house. That's when we celebrate Christmas, but uh, TD Bank uh, on their 2021 Married Money Survey revealed that 73% of Americans say they have created a holiday shopping budget, that's good, and 85% of millennials doing so far this holiday season. Now here comes the stress part. Uh, TD Bank pulled a thousand U.S. consumers to gauge their shopping, spending, and money management habits. And while some may uh, enjoy the sentiment of holiday shopping, according to the survey – now listen to this – more than half of the respondents, that's 52%, describe the holiday shopping experience as painful. How painful? Of this group, 33% equate the pain of holiday shopping to a root canal. Yeah. What's more, a whopping 18% think a root canal is less painful than holiday shopping. So there's some stress that we've done. Okay, shopping. What about travel? You, you plan to a travel, you know you're going to have some stress about that. Like one guy standing there at the uh, baggage uh, check-in place at the ticket agent and and uh, there was a, a sprig of mistletoe hanging there. Kind of an odd place for the mistletoe to be hanging there. So he asked the ticket lady, said, why is the mistletoe hanging there? And she said, that's so you can kiss your bags goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you have been there and done that, haven't
1: you? All right.
0: Well, you think about stress, and we think, okay, that was such an angelic, wonderful time back when Christ was born, right? Well, think about the stress that was related around that whole birth of Christ coming into the world. Mary was living under stress. Joseph was living under stress. The whole nation was under stress. They had to travel a long distance to register for taxation of all things during that time. You know, Joseph had to deal with the fact that this woman that he was betrothed to, and it was good as being married back in that day, is telling him some kind of story about being impregnated by the Holy Spirit of God and she's going to give birth to a Messiah? And how is he going to handle that? What's he going to do about that situation? And here's Mary, this young girl, who who is intent on serving God but in a mysterious way. This angel appears to her and tells her that, yes, she is going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit and she's going to give birth to the Messiah and she has to deal with that stigma of being pregnant and not being married to joseph and wondering what joseph thinking and all that's going on man the stress that's going on and then the nation not only an uproar because of the taxation but then when they realize that herod realizes that there is another king whose birth is being announced it says that they all trembled with him because they were troubled with herod because they knew Well, a lot of cultural Christians don't know, and that is, there can only be one king on the throne of your life. That's why Herod was troubled about that. That's why the people were troubled about that, because they knew Herod would do something severe, and he did. So in all the mix of the Christmas story, there's a lot of stress that's involved in that. And we deal with that now during the Christmas season with schedules, health issues, national grief international conflict, economic issues, travel, finances, family issues. Wow! This beautiful Christmas story about the birth of a Savior comes with the backdrop of a lot of stress related to it. So how is the birth of Christ and the Christmas story somehow God's solution to all the stress that we feel during this wonderful holiday season? Well look with me at the scripture for today. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew records after the, the, he gives to us the genealogy of Jesus. You want to spend some time looking at that. There's some interesting names that appear there. But then he goes into verse 18 about the birth of Jesus. And he says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Beautiful reminder once again of God's intervention into our life, into our world. So what do we find in this story that is the solution to all the stress that we find in our life? Let me point out three things. First is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. The prophet Isaiah is the one who pointed to the time when God would fulfill all of the promises that he made about the Messiah, the one who would come and be the redeemer and set up a new kingdom on earth. Matthew is very careful to remind us of that prophecy from Isaiah by saying, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet: the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, it wasn't just that prophecy in Isaiah seven fourteen that was made, but Isaiah is the one who said about this child to be born. For this child is born to us, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He says the presence of God in this baby, Jesus, was not just a chance happening, but rather it was a fulfillment of all the promises that God had made about the coming of the Messiah. What he would do is that he promised centuries before actually the birth of Jesus Christ. I and mean, here's the amazing thing: God didn't just fulfill one promise and one prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ, but in the birth of Jesus, God fulfilled 332 specific predictions made by God's spokesman centuries before about the birth of Christ. Now I don't know about you, but I find that to be absolutely amazing. On one hand, then on the other hand, I'm thinking, well, that's God at work. So. Why would it amaze me? Well, we ought to always stand in awe and wonder and amazement of God and what he would do on our behalf, fulfilling all of those promises. What are some of those? Micah 5, 2 predicted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Matthew in 2 chapter 2, verse 1, says that Jesus was indeed born in Bethlehem, city of David. It's in Isaiah 7:14. That the Messiah was predicted to be born of a virgin. And here we read in Matthew 1 in this passage of Scripture that Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. Isaiah 53 12 tells us that the Messiah would be crucified among thieves. And Matthew 27 38 it says Jesus was crucified with a thief on either side. Jesus came, was born into this world with the distinct purpose of dying. But it was no endless thought about that. It was to die for our sins in our place to redeem us. And the reality of all of this is that God keeps His promises. That helps to relieve the stress that we feel in our life. Why is that beyond the birth of Jesus? It's because God promises to meet our every need and to eliminate the stress in our life through our relationship with Him. Such as this, God has promised that he, we will never be tempted beyond our ability to resist, but with every temptation, He will provide a way of escape. How do we know that's true? Because God keeps all of His promises. God promised it through His Son to be always with us, even to the ends of the age. How do we know that that's true? Because God keeps all of the promises that He makes. God promised through the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, that nothing that we will ever face could separate us from his love in Jesus Christ. And he lists a whole variety of things, including death and life. So how do we know that that's true? It's because God keeps his promises. God promised to prepare a place for us when life on earth is over. How do we know that's true? It's because God keeps his promises. It's the Apostle Paul who tells us in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that all of God's promises are yes in Jesus Christ. So in the birth of Christ, not only were 332 specific promises fulfilled, but all that opened the door for all of the promises that God has made for us and that we have found to be true in our life, to come true because He is the covenant God who keeps all of his promises. And the birth of Jesus Christ is God's answer to our stress about the things in life. God keeps his promises and that assures us that no matter what our needs might be, no matter what our fears might be, no matter what we might be stressed out about beyond the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, God has a promise to meet that need. So, God meets our needs and relieves the stress in our life because He keeps His promises. The second thing I would point out is uh, this Christmas helps us deal with our stress because God is involved in our lives. God is involved in our lives. You see, the wonderful thing about the Christmas story is that it's about God breaking through to a world in turmoil. A world was stirred up in a turmoil when Christ was born over 2,000 years ago. It hasn't changed a whole lot. We're still in the midst of turmoil. But the first Christmas, the birth of Christ, brought about a dramatic change in the God-human relationship. And it's all because of grace. It's God's grace that urged him to come into our world and to be involved in our lives. Consider this parable. Imagine two neighbors who have argued over something and their friendship is separated and they've parted company. Then one of the neighbors involved in that squabble has second thoughts. And he sends off a note to his estranged friend suggesting that they bury the hatchet and make peace. And that goes with no reply. So he tries again and he writes a more heartfelt note with these words, let us make peace and resume our former friendly relations and still there is no response. And then that neighbor decides though that the broken relationship requires a sacrifice. So he will bundle up and undertake the long cold journey to the other man's house on foot. It's, it's a biting winter weather And the man arrives breathlessly, dusted with snow. The neighbor sees him before him, a human being suffering, one who undertook a great ordeal to get to him. And his heart melts, and he takes the invitation seriously. And now he says yes to the offer of reconciliation. It's Emil Brunner, the Swiss theologian, who wrote that parable to help us understand Christmas. And he says that the neighbor is God. He has written many letters to us, and we have not answered him. And through the prophets, he has sent invitations to participate in his kingdom, but we have declined time after time with excuses. And so God did the unimaginable. He came to us himself, coming as a babe to a peasant couple, born in a manger where animals were kept and fed. This is the fulfillment of his promise to us. And it's beyond even the fulfillment of his promise, but it's God's personal response to our need. And he takes the initiative. The writer of Hebrews tells us that in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through Him He made the universe. You see, the writer of Hebrews tells us there that God had come to us in so many different ways. The messages through His messengers, through the prophets and through others giving to us the message that God loves us and He wants to be involved in our life and He wants us to have a relationship with Him. And when we denied that, when we rejected that, then He finally came. He came in the flesh. He sent His own Son, not just the Word through somebody else, but He sent the living Word, the Logos, God incarnate in Jesus Christ in the flesh the Babe born in Bethlehem. And John tells us in his gospel, John 1, 14, that the word became flesh, that's Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, the ultimate picture of God taking on human flesh and being a part of our life is grace. It's the grace that God has for us in our deepest need of a relationship. And in Christ we have access to that relationship with God. And when we are in that relationship with God, then the Christmas story becomes real in our life. And our stress is managed because of what God's presence in our life means to us in the different areas of our life. First of all, it means that God understands us. Of course he understands us. He's the sovereign God. He knows everything. but he lets us know that he knows everything. and all of our problems and frustrations and our failures and our temptations and our sins, he is aware of them and he enters into our life when we need him as we deal with those issues. There was a writer of Hebrews again in Hebrews 4:14 4, through16. That talks about that role of Jesus Christ in our life. And he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy. And find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, God shows how much He understands us when He sends Jesus into the world to experience life as we experience it day by day. And secondly, it tells us that God's involvement in our life tells us that we can know God on a personal level. You see, Jesus came to reveal God perfectly. Perfectly. And the Bible tells us that over and over again, that he is the exact representation of God. And there is no characteristic of Jesus that is not that of God. So if you want to know what God is like, have a relationship with Jesus. See, and that tells us that God can be known. He isn't just a divine being out there somewhere unapproachable, incomprehensible, creating all the is in this world, but yet leaving it to find its own fate on its own. He isn't just a force or a higher power. He's not just a projection of our own minds or the sum total of all of our hopes and our fears, but he is a real living God, a personal being who knows us, who created us, and who wants a loving relationship with us so much that he sent Jesus Christ into the world. See, God is not indifferent towards us. He loves us, and He longs for that relationship. Why did He create human beings to begin with? Why did He create Adam and put him in in the Garden of Eden to begin with? The Bible tells us because God wanted fellowship. He wanted to have a relationship with mankind. And even when we sin, then, He sent Christ into the world to be our Savior, to deal with our sins, so that we could be righteous in the sight of God as we confess our sins and we acknowledge them before God, and we repent of those sins and we accept the sacrifice of Christ. He had that loving relationship with God. And so that tells us, then, thirdly, that Jesus Christ is able to save us, and He's the only means of salvation. Only one who was fully human could pay the penalty for the sins of human beings. And only one who was both fully man and fully God could bridge that gap between a holy God and a sinful mankind and bring about that reconciliation. Is he just a little baby? Yes, but yet a baby who is Emmanuel, God with us. A baby who reminds us that God is here to be involved in our life. So amidst all the stress that you feel, all the difficulties that go on through the holiday season, remember, God is here to be involved in your life. Don't shut Him out. And then the third thing that helps us deal with our stress is a reminder in the Christmas story that God works through ordinary events. I I think sometimes when we look at all that goes on in our life, And we look at all that goes on around us in the world. And we know that we believe in and we trust in a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful. That we expect God to change our circumstances with some kind of dramatic gesture. With some kind of powerful intervention into the world. We look for him to do something drastic and powerful that gets everybody's attention and sets everything back on the proper course. And God doesn't always choose to operate that way, does He? You see, in Jesus the baby, we see God working through ordinary events, like the birth of a baby. We expect God to reveal Himself in grand style. In fact, if we were writing the Christmas story, we'd have it completely different than what God did. We would have it with power and might and dramatic, brilliant, knock-your-socks-off kind of action coming from God. That's what we look for in God, in the spectacular, in the sensational, in the supernatural. But in the fullness of time, when God decided it was time to enter into our world personally, he did it in the birth of a tiny baby, simply, quietly, and in the way that few people would notice. Many years ago, someone said that Christmas could be known as God's sleepy invasion. The stage was set. It was the fullness of time. The world had been held imprisoned by sin. Humankind had been caught in a web of sin and death, controlled by a network of forces and powers hostile to God. And God Almighty, the King of the universe, the Lord of all human history, the rightful sovereign of the earth, was about to invade this rebel-ruled world, He was about to come and conquer the great enemies of sin and death and to triumph over the powers of evil. But he did not enter into this world in spectacular fashion. But he who with one word could destroy all that is with a power much greater than the human mind did it in a way so different than any of us might expect. What do we hear? The gentle breathing of a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. That's history's turning point. The greatest event in all of history. And the only sign is of a babe lying in a manger. In Luke 2.12, the angel says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. An ordinary, everyday Event. I read this week that there are 385,000 babies born every day. Not in mangers, but somewhere around the world. And the birth of Christ, it was an extraordinary event because this was God incarnate. But at the same time, it was an everyday event. A pregnant woman, a distraught husband, looking for room, for lodging, for something, for comfort, for something that they needed. And yet it's Christmas and it's God saying to us, I'm with you always in all the events of life. That's really what we celebrate in Christmas, that God has come to us to experience life with us and to live it with us in the routine. Of life. Someone else many years ago said God's voice thundered in the cry of a newborn baby at Christmas. If we listen carefully, I think we can hear God's voice thunder through the ordinary events of life. That's the relief of our stress because we know that God sent Christ from the glories of heaven, incarnate as God in the flesh. To come into our world with a sleepy invasion and an ordinary event of a child, a baby being born to a woman. But yet there was no ordinary child. And this was no ordinary pregnancy. It was a miraculous conception. It was a pregnancy through God and his infinite plan of grace and mercy to redeem us. To show us how much he cares for us. To fill the needs in our life. To relieve the stress in our life remember this is the God who comes to us to keep His promises. This is the God who has come to us to be involved in our life in every aspect. And this is the God who chooses to reveal Himself to us in the ordinary circumstances of life so that we will know He has kept His promises and that He is here in the ordinary, everyday events of life. Mundane as they might be, He is here with glory and power and grace. This is the solution in the Christmas story for you and your stress. I pray that you will accept this Christ as we celebrate his birth. Father, we bow before you today, filled with gratitude and awe and wonder once again at that marvelous Christmas story and how you would love us to the very infinite degree. Of becoming one of us through Christ born as a baby in Bethlehem father as we celebrate the birth of this Christ once again this year may we realize the significance of how you have come into this world to share life with us to reveal yourself in all the acts of life and to send us a savior who would meet our greatest needs Father, we love you for this we praise you for this we give you thanks for this In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, whose birth we celebrate. Amen.